good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, didn't cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagid, all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Yes, they do. And uh, we have a jam-packed show. We have State Senator Mary Kunish on later, but we always like to start the show off with the news that you don't hear anywhere else. So why don't we get going with that, Zoe? Zoe, with the news that you don't hear anywhere else. Welcome. Thank you, Robert. Um, Bougie relatives, um, this is Zoe Allen reporting all the way from up in the deep woods of White Earth, of the White Earth yeah. Nation. Um, I come from the uh, Sichangu Lakota people from Rosebud, South Dakota, as well as the White Earth people um, from northern Minnesota. Um, so tonight, uh, I, I wanted to start off by talking about a new partnership that the state of Arizona is starting with um, Native tribes um, throughout the state um, to prevent human trafficking. Um, so as we all know, uh, human trafficking is a very big issue in um, our country, in the world, um, especially in a native country, um, as, you know, our, our native women, children, and, and our men, too, are, um, you know, disproportionately represented as um, trafficking victims. So the Arizona Attorney General's office um, announced back in February that they're collaborating with the Intertribal Council of Arizona to launch a Train the Trainer program. Um, so this program will work to increase awareness, um, to help with human trafficking prevention, and it will be culturally appropriate training that will be offered um, free of charge to all 22 tribes in Arizona. Um, I didn't actually know there were 22 tribes in, in Arizona, Robert, but um, there's, there's such a huge Native population there, so this is really important to see happening. Um, and one of the reasons why trafficking is such an issue in Arizona um, is because it's a huge tourist des destination due to its, you know, warm climates and, you know, beautiful scenery. Um, it also, because of that, makes it a hotspot for um, traffickers to look for potential trafficking victims. Um, and I also just wanted to point out that, you know, the uh, Arizona just hosted the Super Bowl this year. Um, and... Uh, I actually believed this for a while, too, but a lot of people have um, kind of linked human trafficking to the Super Bowl, saying that, you know, su the Super Bowl is like the biggest event that human trafficking occurs at. Um, however, you know, experts have kind of dis dispelled that myth um, by clarifying that, you know, people who are looking to buy sex or Johns um, will do so regardless of where they are. It just so happens that the Super Bowl is, you know, a massively attended event. So people have kind of mistakenly linked linked the two. It's, there's not some conspiracy going on um, behind doors. So just to make that really clear, um, but other experts in the field um, kind of suggest that you know if you do see any situation 
um, that seems very off or, you know, you just have that gut feeling, trust it and um, make a call to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Um, and I'll give you guys that number. We'll also try to put it up on the screen too. Um, so that number for the National Human Trafficking Hotline is one 7888 is 1-888-373-7888. Or you can text HELP in all caps to 233733. You can text HELP to 233733. And, you know, if you ever engage with someone who you think is a potential victim of human trafficking and, you know, you're, you're, you're safely talking to them, um, you can also give them that number as well because, you know, the people on the other end of that phone will have, you know, over 80 hours of training on, on how to help them with, you know, getting out of a trafficking situation. Um, and, you know, Experts also just want to make sure that, you know, if you see a situation that looks dangerous, do not try to approach um, someone, especially um, if they're traffickers nearby and you might not know that. Um, there's definitely a lot of uh, awareness, I think, among Indian country of, you know, kind of trafficking traps. I don't know if you've seen that on Facebook before, Robert, but um, it definitely comes on my timeline a lot of just some tactics that traffickers use um, to be aware of them. I, I've seen a lot of stuff just in like Walmart parking lots, like are a, kind of a spot. Um, yeah. If you're in the rural area, like Bemidji area, I've heard of that happening. Um, even somewhere as small as like Detroit Lakes. Um, mm -hmm. So just things to watch out for. And, you know, if you see, if you feel like someone messed with your car or something weird happened um, and you're alone, you know, I think just, call someone, call someone, be on the phone with someone, um, and lock your doors as soon as you get in your car, you know, yeah, um, good, can't be too vigilant advice. these days. Right. Yeah. Um, so education and awareness, you know, those are the two most important factors in fighting against human trafficking. Um, just in Minnesota alone, the national human trafficking hotline received, uh, like over 335 tips in 2021. And, wow. you know, that's, that's just reported, right? Like there's a lot more going on that is not reported. Um, but luckily in Minnesota, uh, we are a safe harbor state. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that before, um, but I think I've talked about it previously, but that just means that we have laws that um, ensure that young people who are sexually exploited, um, they're treated as victims, not they're treated as victims and survivors, not criminals, because um, prior to this law, uh, you know, our young people were treated like criminals, which is horrible considering that, you know, they're being exploited um, and, you know, they're underage, too. So there's also uh, lots of safe harbor um, resources you can access just by simply going online. There's uh, regional navigators safe harbor social workers. Um, many of our native organizations have safe harbor people at them. Um, I know Onda Young has um, mm -hmm. at least one. And uh, the Minnesota Indian Women's Resource Center also has people that work um, in safe harbor. Um, and just so everyone's clear, uh, just to really define this before we move on to our next story, um, minor commercial sexual exploitation um, to define it, it's, it occurs when someone um, under the age of 24 in, engages in commercial sexual activity. 
And a commercial sexual activity occurs when anything of value or a promise of anything of value, like money, drugs, food, shelter, rent, um, is given to a per person by any means in exchange for any type of sexual activity. Uh, third party may or may not be involved. So I think that's a pretty good definition. Um, it's really broad um, mm -hmm. given given what you know our, our people experience. Um, and there's one more thing I wanted to mention. I know we're got about two minutes left. Um, there's actually a uh, benefit happening um, on Monday from um, with our relatives over at the Roof Depot station wow. or Roof Depot. Um, so that's, yeah, that's 5.30 to 7.30. Um, it's going to be at the Terminal Bar in Northeast uh, Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. um, so you can come out to support the East Phillips Urban Farm. Um, there's going to be some music um, by people like Barb Ryman. Um, and the show is free, but they're really, you know, it's a benefit dinner. So they're strongly encouraging um, donations. So check that out. You can just go on Facebook, look up uh, the urban East Phillips Urban Farm, and it should be in there. So, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, maybe we'll send you there for a live update uh, there, Zoe. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. <laughs> All right. Hey, Peeny Geeky for the news. And really, uh, the dig deep in the, that su subject, maybe we can talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show uh, and get those numbers out there again because it's so so important what you brought up uh, with the sex trafficking. And uh, it's a real thing. And we just had our Super Bowl here a few years ago, so we know that... It does follow the Super Bowl and sport, big sporting events. So, hey, we're listening. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio presents. I'm awake, and up next, State Senator Mary Kunish. We'll be right back. Native American rights are on the ballot April 4th. Vote for Judge Janet Protasewicz. She values Wisconsin's tribes as sovereign nations and recognizes Native rights with fairness and integrity. Judge Janet understands the importance of issues such as missing and murdered Indigenous women, treaty rights, and hunting and gathering. We deserve someone that knows these things matter. In-person early voting begins March 21st. Check your municipality's early voting schedule at vote.wisdoms.org or call the Voter Protection Hotline at 608-336-3232. You can register to vote at the polls on Election Day with a photo ID and proof of residence. Your tribal ID can be used as a photo ID to vote. Stand up for your people. Vote for someone who will stand up for you and stand up for Native rights. Vote for Judge Janet Protasewicz for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Paid for by the Democratic Party of Wisconsin as an in-kind to Janet for Justice. Your Blue Line Extension Project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line light rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park, and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. 
At Metro State University, students learn how to change the world their way through in-demand degree programs including healthcare, technology, cybersecurity, and business. Realize your power to change in a learning environment dedicated to equity, inclusion, and anti-racism. Explore 60-plus bachelor's degree programs at Metro State's Open House events, online March 28th and in-person March 30th. Visit metrostate.edu slash open house for details. Metro State University, where learning meets living. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This segment of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Thank you, Zoe. Hey, we have uh, State Senator Mary Kunish on, and it looks like you're in your office, huh? Yeah, I'm still here. I'll probably be here late into the night. We're putting together our our education finance um, bill, and so there's lots to consider. Wow. Uh, Peeny Gigi, thank you so much for that. And uh, you are a rock star. I was down in, uh, I believe it was Wednesday I was at the Capitol, and I got to see you running around out of breath and then giving speeches. But uh, first of all, I'm amazed on the good words you bring up, uh, State Senator. It's, uh, it's on point. And then I also mentioned the fact that you and the governor do not have a script. You guys... Uh, it comes from the heart and it comes from your uh, great mind. And it's it's amazing to hear you speak. So, uh, Peeny Gigian, thanks uh, for those good words and the great work you're doing at the Capitol, especially for our Native Americans. Oh, you are welcome. You're, you're very welcome. And it's interesting that you say that, Robert, because so I've been at this now at the legislature for seven years. And I remember in the very beginning being just terrified to do public speaking like that. And I would have to write out a speech and I would practice it. And if I, I, if I try to remember it, I, I would never remember it. I would go blank the minute I stepped in front of people and who knows what came out of my mouth. And, uh, you know, I, I, read from a script or, you know, try to paraphrase from the script. Um, but, you know, there are certain topics you become so familiar with and so ingrained in, you know, just like it, it means so much to you and you have those life experiences. So now you can really speak to him because you've experienced that or, or it's something that you've been working on. So thank you very much. I, I um, oftentimes wonder you know, sometimes I wonder, like, what did I just say? I don't even remember. I opened my mouth and all these words came out. Uh, did they make sense? Did they yeah. sound intelligent? Um, but thank you. That's uh, that's always very encouraging. Yeah. Well, it's cool that you said that little story because I think we all start out that way. And I know, like, people were asking me to speak on Standing Rock when that was happening. And it was like, uh, what do I say? You know, um, yeah. you know, and so I got kind of thrown into it a lot of speaking because I was kind of the token Indian that had been at Standing Rock a bunch of times. But yeah, I'm glad you 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 said that for me and for people that are listening because it it it, it, it takes work, but it also takes listening to your heart and listening to what you say to uh, form a good uh, speech. Yeah, and. It- when you when you know the people and you know the program and you know they're so important, 
um, you can just, yeah, it's much easier to speak to those things. But when I'm not sure, or I only think I know a little bit about something, I get very nervous about, you know, speaking in public. So you get used to it after a while, but um, I mean, I used to get really nervous when I would have to present a bill mm. and now I'm not nervous anymore. I'm, I'm just not nervous anymore. I, I still need to have all the information in front of me. Otherwise, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. But um, but the nervousness is not there because I've done it so many times now. Yeah, I've gotten less nervous in my job. And I think partially for me, it's, you know, as legislator for Ho-Chunk Nation, partially for me, I, I've learned so much. And I know, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but I know the difference between right or wrong. And if I speak up, I do not want to be wrong. So I, I need to know um, the information or my gut feeling is correct before I not raise my voice, but uh, raise it, you know, in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's two educators. We both talk in front of classrooms, but yet, you know, um, you know, a bigger crowd is, is sometimes is really hard until you, uh, it, like everything takes practice. No one's really a natural, right? <laughs> right. Well, there are some that just seem to they be a natural at those sort of things, but, um, you know, what are you going to do? It's part of the job, right? Exactly. Well, you know, we can let our, our audience know what you've been working on and why you were running in into uh, into the the Capitol like you did in Spoke. If you want to just uh, touch a little bit about the bill that's coming up for uh, those 16 organizations. And uh, and uh, it was really good to see see all that support and, um, you know, the Urban Leg uh, Indigenous Legacy Initiative. Yeah. Yeah, so this so in Minnesota we have um, like two sort of native urban cores, and in Minneapolis there's Franklin Avenue, and you've got all these um, nonprofits and the American Indian Clinic and the American Indian Community Center and businesses and that sort of thing, and in the past again. We always know that um, our programs or, or our needs have not been met um, by the government or, or by a lot of philanthropy. Uh, you know, maybe in the last 10 years, it's really made a difference. But anyways, um, so all these different organizations and nonprofits would come to the, the legislature and ask for um, funding assistance. And honestly, because I really think because there weren't Native American representatives in the legislature, a lot of this didn't get funded. There weren't people that had their heart and soul into advocating for it. They advocated for it, but they didn't feel it like like we Native uh, legislators feel it or know why it's so important or the history of why the historical trauma causes all these issues. Anyways, so all these different organizations and nonprofits would come to the legislature asking for dollars, and oftentimes it didn't get done. So a few years back, um, we suggested, and it's hard because when you have a bunch of different little bills, like for me, if I'm advocating for all of them, that's a lot of work to have to go around to all these different committees, whether it's for jobs or bonding for buildings or education or legacy dollars. 
So we said, why don't we put it into one big, like one big bill? Mm -hmm. And they, we've done that for the last couple of years. And um, it's called the Urban Indigenous Legacy Initiatives. And, um, and so within that, that big bill, um, it's a request for uh, funds for a grant to these um, urban organizations to continue providing urban Indigenous folks with the resources okay. they need. So, like I said, dollars for buildings, for programs, um, for education, for language. Um, we put it into one big bill. And <laughs> so then we can just work at one big, big, org you know, one big uh, lump. And right. so that's what it was. That was the press. There was a press conference and then there was a rally in the Capitol um, in support of those those organizations. Right. And then uh, they've kind of renamed it this last year, uh, the Clyde Belcourt Urban Indigenous oh, yes. Legacy Initiative. Yes. And, uh, what, uh, there, there's things that uh, these organizations, these uh, 16 groups, and there's 14 projects and one vision, as you spoke of, uh, they uh, have everything from you know, the old 1980s, not well-built buildings that need a, a rehab or a new building to um, helping uh, new native theater uh, and support new, mm -hmm. na new native theater. So it's a, it's a wide spectrum. And, you know, we have what I heard at the Capitol, and I think I've heard this before, State Senator, is that uh, we have like one of the biggest, if not the biggest urban uh, uh, um, uh, population in the United States here. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, there are there's um, one of the organizations is for um, homeless native folks, right. not just uh, adults, but also young adults, youth that are homeless or native kids. Um, there was a, a building built here in St. Paul, not far from the Capitol, called the Anda Young uh, Center. And so th they're providing these really super valuable resources for the community. And the great thing is, is that those that are running them are just salt of the earth, dedicated, loving, loving people. But we also know that the services that they are providing are culturally relevant. They, right. they speak to our people. They're... Um, they're they're run by you know our native folks and so along with not just the services provided but the cultural connections and the mentorship and seeing somebody that looks like them or understands their trauma or understands um, you know their continuous continuous homelessness or medical issues or just need to be with your your people, you know, in the community center. Um, and, and that's what really builds and sustains a really healthy uh, culture and a healthy community. And so I'm pretty um, bent on ensuring that we invest in those kind of valuable resources. Hey, do you have, uh, I know you're busy at the Capitol. Do you have uh, another time for a quick segment? Yep, I'll stick around for a little bit. All right, right on. We're with State Senator Mary Kunish. And uh, before we get going, I know what you said, uh, the governor mentioned, too, that it's native run. 
and uh, the how important that is. So I think your voice is getting heard and people are understanding what work, what works and what doesn't work in the Native community. So, hey, great to have you on. We'll be right back. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish. Stay with us. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts, plus you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence and shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. Hi, this is Desi Doyen of the Green News Report and the Bradcast. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hey, it's Patrick. It's March, and believe it or not, it's almost time for spring cleaning. You're not the only one who's tired of winter this year because your carpets and air ducts are too. Think about the dust, dander, and bacteria living and breeding in your carpet, upholstery, air ducts, and more with nowhere to go. There's only one real way to get rid of that gunk in your home, and that's by calling our cleaning heroes at Zero Res. With Zero Res's platinum-rated cleaning systems and patented ZR water, they will extract all that nasty out of your home, and it will look and smell like a home should. And with the Zero Res Gotta Love It guarantee, you know they will take care of you. This month, get three rooms zero-resified from the Twin Cities' number one carpet cleaner starting at $129. And take $75 off your air duct cleaning as well to get that true spring cleaning feel. 
call 9520-RES or go to zeroresminnesota.com right now and say you want the AM950 special. Zero Res. With a look at your AM950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Cloudy tonight with a low of 27, then sunshine Saturday with a high of 44. Cafe Latte is unlike any restaurant you've ever experienced. Grab a tray and pick from their award-winning selections of soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Cafe Latte, Victoria Street and Grand Avenue in St. Paul, or CafeLatte.com. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic, honoring health and tradition. Thank you, Zoe. Hey, uh, we got uh, Ogama in the bullpen here on the men. She's not too feeling too well, but she is here in mind and spirit and her ears, and she's working in the background. So uh, get well, Ogama. We're here with uh, State Senator Mary Kunish, and uh, among other things, we were talking a little bit about the the Clyde Belcourt Urban Indigenous Legacy Initiative, but also there's so much more going on, and you are working hard with education, it's so good to hear that the people that are working on the education bills, what did you say, five out of, or four out of five of them are former teachers or educators like yourself? Uh, that is just uh, primo, you know, for me to hear. You know, there's so many experts out there that aren't uh, boots on the ground like uh, you and your colleagues have been. You're uh, muted, Mary. So here in Minnesota, um, um, in the Senate, the policy chair, Senator Swadzinski, and myself, um, I'm the chair of education finance. Both of us were teachers. He, Senator Swadzinski was a teacher for 33 years, me for 25. And then in the House, um, uh, Representative Yawakim's husband, is an educator and I think she's like a third generation. Um, she's not a teacher per se, but she's worked as a para or an educational assistant. And then, uh, and she's the education finance in the house. And then um, uh, Representative Pryor has not been an educator, but she is a strong, strong proponent of, of education. So I think uh, Minnesota will be doing some really good things. Um, I can't say for sure, but we we heard a lot of good bills. We've had a lot of incredible organizations ask us to help fund them or to continue funding them. You know, we're, we look at um, small class, smaller class sizes. We look at um, how to keep our kids in school and not getting them kicked out. Uh, you know, what are the underlying effects of some of these behavior situations? You know, we look at the whole, the picture, mental health, um, all of those things, ELL, e English learners, special ed, you know, all of those things. In Minnesota, our um, hourly workers, school workers are not eligible for unemployment during the summer. Huh. So that's something that we're looking at to allow them to be part of that unemployment pool. 
Uh, there's just a lot. And the reason we're do we can do this and we can hear these bills and listen to people is because um, the Democrats are in the majority. We have the majority in the House, in the Senate, and uh, on the Capitol. And um, uh, when the Republicans were in charge, they didn't even hear bills. I mean, our um, our big bill at the end of session last year by a Republican was like $300 million going to a, a private company for literacy, which is abs literacy is so important, you know, especially when we look at the scores and our kids aren't at that reading level that we want them to be. But that was it. There was nothing else. And so um, we're looking at the whole child and the teacher, um, what, what it takes to be a teacher in this world today. So there, you know, hopefully we'll have a lot of good things in our bill to share with with the rest of Minnesota. Yeah, I just gotta say a good word for, and I know you've uh, in the past have acknowledged this, but you know, our paras uh, boots on the ground, um, help them out any way we can, whether it's more money or, like you said, that whole uh, summer you can't get unemployment. I used to have a friend that. Um, that worked in shipping and, or not shipping, but the barges down at the river. And he would, it was seasonal. So for four months, because the river was frozen, he wouldn't work, but he got an unemployment and he got a lot of unemployment because those cats worked and made a lot of money down there. And we have, uh, we have our boots on the ground, our paras and our e educational assistants uh, not you know, have to pay, you know, they can't do unemployment every, every summer. So that's, that's a hard, hard deal. We want to keep those people. We want our paras and if they want the opportunity sometime to become uh, teachers, we want to be able to do that, especially with the shortage of teachers. And uh, that's a great shot that you got there, Mary, with the, you got a nice office with the Capitol in the background there. Look at that. There's the uh, Minnesota Capitol right behind me. It's yep. good for us here on Facebook Live and YouTube, but our, our listening audience all over the country can't see that. But it's just, beautiful, everybody. You just have to come visit in person then. <laughs> yeah, I definitely are going to be down there because I have a bill, and I, I'm sure you've heard about it, that I'm trying to get, get moving and get some uh, traction on and uh, talk to the tribes about helping support and letters of support. So maybe by next year I can uh, get it out there uh, on the floor sometime and, and have something happen. But it's exciting to be at the Capitol and talk to all you movers and shakers. Yeah. It, well, it's wonderful when I see a friendly uh, face that's, that's there. Um, do we, I want to tell you a little bit about another bill that I had this yeah. week that I got kind of excited about. Um, so there have been a couple opportunities for the state of Minnesota to return land to uh, our tribes, to different tribes. And wow. um, this week uh, we heard I was able to introduce a bill that would return, um, return the Upper Sioux uh, State Park to... Um, to the Upper Sioux community. And this is really pretty important. Um, it's a small state park um, and it, uh, it's, it's the park itself uh, or the action itself, the bill itself transfers state owned lands that are within the boundaries of the Upper Sioux Agency Park 
to the Upper Sioux community. Um, this park has fallen to disrepair. The, the lower, the lowlands um, flood. That's where people used to um, used to camp out and that sort of thing. Um, there's a little bit of a bluff or a, a rock formation and that rock has sheared off. So there's a big mess there. There's one road that goes through the park and it has a huge sinkhole. Uh, there's a couple of buildings that have fallen into disrepair. So there's a lot of work to be done, but this park is really significant um, to the upper Sioux because these are areas of um, battles. And it also uh, encompasses at least eight burial mounds that um, are in this state park. And so wow. it would be returned to Upper Sioux. Um, and there were people that pushed back for, you know, mostly because now those the communities down there don't have that space to go camping and hunting and fishing in. Right. They wouldn't have it for recreation. Not at all acknowledging the the value of the spiritualness and the fact that it's ancestors that are still on those lands. And at the end, one woman came and she was respectful, but she mm -hmm. asked that they don't transfer those lands. She's a non-native, a white woman, because those are that's also a site of some huge battles. And right. some of her ancestors and the settlers um, that were killed are buried in those areas as well. Hmm. So it's really a significant <coughs> burial site, not just for Native folks, but, you know, the descendants of those settlers. Right. Uh, which just sort of like made me even more certain that we need to preserve those lands within the tribe because... We know that the tribe will treat those lands respectfully. And if right. there are areas where non-natives are, um, are buried, they're going to protect those lands as well. And she was worried. I think she, honestly, I think she was worried that the tribes wouldn't let them come in and visit their ancestors. But I just look at that as like, well, then you need to build that relationship with the tribes. Right. <laughs> So that there isn't the animosity, so that they aren't um, closing it off to outsiders. So there's still a lot of work to be done um, to do this this land transfer, but um, I'm encouraged because we've been doing bits and pieces of this uh, across Minnesota uh, for the different um, uh, tribes and communities, and this is just one more of those. That's awesome. And, you know, I see Lori popped in here uh, from Facebook, What listening to us on Facebook. She said, right on, land back. And that's all I could think of when you were talking, too, is that th this is what it's all about. And when we have, we have uh, people like yourself that are explaining, you know, the burial grounds, maybe we should, if there's other burial grounds, maybe we should all talk about that and then support that uh, and have it as a place of... Uh, of prayer and peace and, and, and things like that and unity with all the, the people that live up there. So that's, that's just uh, right on. I can't wait to hear, uh, when that, what, what happens with that, uh, in the meantime. 
Yeah, I think um, uh, one of the state officials said it'll take a couple of years. You know, it takes a while because we have to work with the federal government. We have to work with the local government. You know, there are things that still need to be done um, within the even the historical society because there are historical buildings on on there. Oh. There's um, a building that I don't know if it's the original building or it replicates the storage the storage building where all the supplies for the, the uh, Indians would come. Wow. And you know what? We don't have time today, but okay. we should do one on um, the Dakota 38. Yeah. We should do a show on and, and help people understand that piece of history in Minnesota, because that when we talk about a battle, this is what I'm talking about. When, when our, uh, um, the settlers and the the natives uh, basically went to war. It's called the Dakota War. And right. it was because the supplies were not given to the tribes and the tribes were freezing and it's winter and, you know. Let them eat we'll grass. We'll talk about that another time. We'll save that for another part two or something. I'll, I'll save it for when you are out of session and then you can uh, guest host the show. Ho -wah. <laughs> Maybe we should go out there and uh, broadcast from there. That sounds good. Hey, well, State Senator, trip. remember the Ho-Chunks were removed, too, at the same time, and we'll be talking about that historical uh, uh, setback for us, too. Always great to have you on, and uh, always great words. Thank you, State Senator. Keep up the great work, and we'll see you at the Capitol, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Wopilatanka. We'll be right back. This is Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit MN350.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's, Let's live and, and let, let howl. howl. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. 
Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Ho! Ho! All right. That was good. It brought my uh, my cousin in on that. Good one. Um, hey, so uh, who do we got going here? We don't have the governor, lieutenant governor today. Uh, we'll probably play her Monday with her update. And Zoe... Uh, Back to maybe what you were talking about in that first segment, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we can touch a little deeper on that for the next few minutes here before the end, uh, at the end of the show, uh, bring up the phone number and how, uh, bring up the phone number and how we can, uh, get some, get the word out there to get help or to find out, uh, you know, th- this is just a, a thing that's been going on too lo- way too long. Right. Yeah. So for anyone that didn't hear the new segment at the beginning of the show, um, I was talking about a um, recent um, proclamation from the Arizona Attorney General's office um, in fe- back in February that they're going to be collaborating with the Intertribal Council of Arizona to launch a train the trainer program in regards to preventing human trafficking. And um, like Robert was talking about, I just wanted to promote the National Human Trafficking Hotline number um, since, you know, we have listeners from all over Turtle Island. um, And that number is 1-888-373-7888. That's 1-888-373-7888. Or you can also text HELP to 233733. And that's help to two three three seven three three. So you, yeah. So you know, I'm kind of a, a TikTok fan, and I and I watch <laughs> these TikToks, as you know. Uh, don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there was a couple, and I don't know how real they are, but there was a signal for help with uh, uh, people that were in danger could hand signal. Is that true? I, I just feel like there's so much information, you know, on TikTok. A lot of it's coming from some of it's coming from professionals or, you know, people in their respective fields. And a, but a lot of it is coming from just, you know, your everyday, everyday person. Um, so I definitely think I've seen a lot of like people reading into TikToks, but they've also just seen some really weird TikTok pages um, <laughs> with some kind of like really suspicious videos of like young people. And so I also know that TikTok has is, you know, people have tried to crack down on, um, you know, lots of trafficking going on, obviously, throughout, throughout right. that platform. And, um, wow. you know, yeah. also predation towards, you know, minors is a huge, huge issue just in general. Um, but especially on TikTok, because I think it's just it is pretty uncensored mm-hmm. um, and there's just so many people on that. But I, I have seen um, I have seen stories of people that have done their own investigation into like a profile, not saying that everyone should do this because it can go greatly wrong. But <laughs> in this one case, I saw, you know, we don't we don't need, um, you know, amateur detectives out there, you know, um, suing you not me yeah yeah exactly um but uh you know something again like 
just contacting the human uh, nat- national human trafficking hotline would be a really good idea just if you do see something suspicious even on the internet um i don't know what their policies are around um you know like cyber trafficking but i'm sure that they would have um a much better answer to that than me um but yeah no tiktok has been in the news a lot lately um i was just reading about you know the congressional hearing on on it with the ceo um lots going on um but to get back to the trafficking issue too um you know i think something that's really important to understand is as a safe harbor state you know robert um in minnesota we have uh, safe harbor social workers or caseworkers, um regional navigators we have lots of resources, and um, one thing that people often don't know is that you can reach out to your local, like regional navigator or safe harbor case manager, and ask them for resources. Um, if say your school teacher or you know someone that works in any field that might engage with folks that have been trafficked, um, you can ask a safe harbor worker to come and like give a really good presentation. Um, just to raise awareness, um, because a lot of our people, you know, and like I said earlier, we're greatly affected by this, but a lot of our people in our community don't even know the signs, you know. Yeah, exactly. Can- hey, Zoe, we we have the lieutenant governor. Uh, she sent us something uh, today, and I'm wondering if we should oh, just great. end the show with that. Um, are we okay with that, uh, Patrick? Do we have that queued up? I always take silence as yes. So if you're ready, <laughs> why don't we uh, play uh, our Lieutenant Governor with an update? Go ahead. Go ahead, Patrick. Just a second. It's loading up right now. Hey, go ahead now. And now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> what? Anin, this is Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and I'm joining Native Roots Radio with an update from the Walls Flanagan administration. I am incredibly proud of the one Minnesota budget we've put together, the budget that I've worked towards my entire life, a budget that invests in centering children and families, expanding economic security, protecting health and safety, and strengthening infrastructure and communities across the state. And with the updated February forecast, we have an opportunity to revisit some of the important proposals and investments and go bigger. This week, Governor Walls and I unveiled our revised budget proposal with an additional $1.5 billion in investments. Our revised budget includes increased investments in public safety. The governor and I traveled across the state hearing from mayors, police chiefs, fire chiefs about what they needed to keep Minnesotans safe. Together, we crafted a $300 million plan that would fund every police and fire department in the state. Our revised budget nearly doubles that, bringing it to over half a billion dollars. And because we know that local government's needs don't stop there, we're increasing our investment in local government aid. We're also expanding our proposal to address opioids and addiction by $160 million for a total of $220 million. This includes creating grants for overdose and violence prevention, funding youth mental health and substance use disorder treatment, supporting naloxone administration training and supplies, and establishing up to 15 safe recovery sites across Minnesota. We're increasing the funding available for replacing lead service lines to help communities across the state afford costly updates to increase safety. And we're increasing investments in Minnesota's higher education system to continue growing a talented and educated workforce right here at home.
And it's because of the continued hard work and economic resilience of Minnesota workers and families that we're able to include these increased investments. At the core, our revised budget proposals bolster our budget's ability to support safe and vibrant communities in every part of the state. We also had an incredibly powerful signing ceremony for a piece of legislation that is deeply personal to me, universal school meals. Nearly all of us have spent cumulative hours in our school cafeterias, spending time with our friends, catching up on homework, and eating a hot meal before we head back to class. But for too many of our young people, the school cafeteria has been a place of shame and stigma. For our students with different colored lunch tickets, for our students with lunch debt, our students who skip meals. Hunger is often invisible. It looks like a distraction or tiredness or disinterest. It can be easy to miss the students who are falling behind because they're trying to learn on an empty stomach. But we know that one in six children go hungry in Minnesota and that one in four food insecure children don't qualify for financial help with school meals. So to our decision makers who believe they've never met someone who has experienced uh, hunger, hi, my name is Peggy Flanagan and I was one of six in Minnesotans to experience hunger. I am one of the children who grew up with a different colored lunch ticket because my family utilized free and reduced price lunch. What used to be then called food stamps back in the day, right, now known as SNAP, we used to put food on the table. And even with that assistance, there were nights where I ate dinner and my mom would say that she simply wasn't hungry. And it wasn't until I was an adult and I was a mom that I realized that she wasn't telling the truth. She was trying to protect me from the reality of our food insecurity, that she was hungry. By providing free breakfast and lunch to all students, we are removing barriers and removing stigma in the lunchroom. We are helping family pocketbooks, especially for those one in four who don't qualify for financial assistance with school meals. We're leading with our values that no child should go hungry for any reason ever, period. This is an investment in the well-being of our children, as well as an investment in their academic success. I am so grateful to everyone who has worked hard to get this across the finish line and support our young Minnesotans across the state. So stay tuned as we continue to work hard to pass transformational policies that improve the lives of all Minnesotans, especially our littlest Minnesotans. Jimmy Gwetch, Pina Gigi, and back to you.